Welcome in, everybody. These are the MMA Minutes. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Danny Gutierrez. As always and forever. Sean, how are you? Well, not forever. We will, we will die at some point. <laughs> I don't know. Well, hey, maybe we'll do this in the afterlife. We have no idea. But I'm fine. If they had fights in heaven, oh my goodness. You think, you think Jesus likes knockouts? Well, hold, hold on. I, I think everybody <laughs> likes knockouts, um, no matter who you are. Um, but let's 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 open up the, right away. We're just wasn't the topic. Let's just jump into it. Most perfect fight. Doesn't matter about weight classes. What are two fighters? Doesn't matter about size either. What two what two fighters you, would you want to see? Like, what's your dream fight? My dream match. My dream match back in the day was Anderson well, Silva. Wait, what's the difference between a match and a fight? There is none, I guess. Okay, then why'd you change it to? What's your dream fight? It was Anderson Silva versus John Jones. Okay, that'd be fun. And uh, I you like know, that. and you know what? It just it. It never happened. A lot of people were talking about it, and this was when Anderson Silva was in his prime. Well, yeah, he was coming, and Anderson fought at light heavyweight. And he was breaking all the—yeah, he fought uh, James Irvin, and then he fought Forrest Griffin at yeah. light heavyweight. So it was possible he can do mm-hmm. it. But, I mean, light heavyweight was such a mess at that time, up until John Jones came and, you know, wrote yeah. all of that. And in the midst of John's, you know, era, Anderson Silva fell to a Chris Weidman. And, you know, people were kind of disinterested uh, uh, for a match between Chris Weidman and uh, John Jones. Even though Chris Weidman's a huge middleweight, I don't think that would sell too many pay-per-views. the thing that, you know, Silva was, you know, this champ, what, 11 straight title defenses. Yeah. If Anderson Silva beat Weidman, then that would definitely be a possibility. I mean, you you think about that, that'd be be absolutely crazy to think about. I think my dream fight, because this is what fight's never going to happen, is Conor McGregor versus Habib Nurmagomedov. It's never going to happen, my two favorite fighters, but, uh, you know, you you wish and hope that those two (laughs) great fighters would face off, but one's a a chicken boy uh, Interestingly enough, the UFC president, Dana White, has not announced that the... Company yeah. would be stripping Connor. Well, yeah, they you they announced it. UFC 223. They did it. Uh, I think we talked about it uh, because it was uh, coming up because we did the the preview for UFC 220. Yeah. And that day they had the, the the press conference for UFC 222 and UFC 223. At that press conference, they just said it's for the real belt, yeah. the real lightweight belt. But there's been no distinguish right. uh, no distinguishment between uh, whether it's for the interim. Belt or the actual belt, and they're stripping Connor. So there's been no news of them stripping Connor. Uh, I think they still currently list uh, Tony Ferguson as the interim lightweight champion on their website. So again, this is for the real title for what Dana White said, which is ridiculous. They might as well. It's just either va- uh, vacate. Defender, Defender vacate. vacate. Yep, that's Defender how it vacate. is. Defender it's vacate. Ridiculous. Chicken boy going to get away with this again, make more money, and he's going to fight the winner. Probably not. I hope he will, but he's probably going to just keep it going. And we see Nate Diaz post on Instagram that he's coming back in May or June. That's probably going to fight Connor takes, and that's probably going to be one of his last fights uh, in the octagon. I mean, yeah. So, uh, well, you know, it's a dream fight to see uh, Habib and Connor McGregor fight in the uh, the octagon, but it's never going to happen. It could happen. still happen. No, he's chicken never boy. Never say never. Chicken boy. You know, Russia, 106 million. Another fight that was... Uh, Ireland. Or uh, Russia, 100 million. Another, Ireland, only yeah, 6 million. Another fight back in the day was real high on the wish list was a GSP versus Anderson. Yeah. That one, but they, even people were talking about that when GSP was, you know, supposed to come back. Uh-huh. Uh, but then Anderson just kind of fell off a cliff just because he's, you know, he's so old now. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> uh, let's get into what we're supposed to be talking about today. We're going to be recapping... UFC 220, we're going to be recapping, recapping Bellator 192, which happened last week, last Saturday. We're also going to be previewing Bellator 193, at least mentioning it. I'm mentioning it right now. It's going to be taken on the Paramount Network at 8 p.m. Central. That is when the main card starts. Uh, it is taking place in California today, January 26th. 
main event for that one is Lorenz Larkin versus Fernando Gonzalez. Lorenz Larkin needs a win here, right? Yes, he does. I mean, he's 0-3. He's 0-2 in this promotion. I don't think he's 0-3. Yeah, check. he hasn't won one fight in the Bellator promotion since he moving from the UFC. 0-2. Yes, lost against he's Douglas Lima and then lost against Paul Daly. Fernando Gonzalez is 7-1 in the Bellator promotion. Now, he has had trouble making the 170-pound weight limit. It's a catch weight at 180. But, um, you know, I feel like he's got real good forward pressure, and he never gives up. And guys like that give uh, Lorenz Larkin a little bit of trouble, so I I got to take Fernando Gonzalez in this one. Well, the weird thing that I want to mention, just because Lorenz Larkin uh, lost to Paul Daly, it's now come out yesterday. In a kickboxing match. He lost to Paul Daly in a kickboxing match. Did he? I thought it was. Yes. I'm pretty sure that was just a regular. Yeah, he lost to Paul Daly in a kickboxing match. It was Bellator kickboxing. Yeah, it was 183. That was a regular MMA fight. Maybe they fought both. I don't think Lorenz Larkin fought in a kickboxing match. I think. Oh, it, it I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Kickboxing. Lorenz Larkin. Lorenz Larkin versus uh, Paul Daly. Yeah. Yes. I said you know, Lorenz I'm sorry. Lorenz Larkin lost to Paul Daly. Fernando Gonzalez had challenged uh, Paul Daly at Bellator kickboxing. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. So no, that was a confusion. What I was mentioning was Lorenz Larkin lost to Paul Daly. Yes, that was a vicious. Um, that was uh, his most recent knockout. loss. Yeah. Um, but the thing with Paul Daly is, is apparently. Uh, Brett Akamoko reported this uh, yesterday that welterweight Paul Daly asked for a release from Bellator. He yes, says he it was granted. Uh, then Bellator refuted it. Um, so one thing I want to bring up is, what do you think the move from Paul Daly and saying that he wants to be released from Bellator signifies? You know what it signifies? That he feels that he's being un- uh, overlooked because he's been uh, wanting a fight with Michael Venom Page, MVP, and that fight hasn't been made, and it's a fight that he's really thirsty for. He also sees that uh, you know Michael Venom Page, is he just fought in a boxing promotion, and mm-hmm. he's in contracts with Bellator, so kind of feels that MVP is kind of Conor McGregoring Bellator, that he's kind of using their their push on him, his own on his own hype to kind of get him out there and make him a little bit more money. And Paul Daly kind of feels a little bit disrespected, I'm sure, because he's been in the sport for a very long time. He's fought in Strike Force, UFCs, fought overseas, and now he's here in Bellator. I mean, I could un- I could understand his frustration. Well, and the one thing too now with him asking for his release, it's the question of whether Dana would bring him back. Obviously, back in 2010, that's when uh, Paul Daly was fighting for the UFC. He went two and one. Yeah, he sucker punched UFC's- Josh Koscheck. Yeah, was getting to that yeah he Sorry. was two and one in his UFC uh career then ended up losing to Josh Koscheck punching Koscheck after the bell and Dana saying that Paul Daly will never fight in the UFC again but you know Bailey uh, Daly so far he's been really good in the welterweight division uh over at Bellator he's only lost to Douglas Lima the former champ and Roy McDonald the current champ right. so would you think there's any possibility that now that Paul Daly he's only 34 years old 40 and 15 and 2 do you think it would move the me- needle for uh, for Dana to, to bring back Paul Daly, or you think that he's going to stick back to his word uh, from twenty twelve in this twenty ten? Yeah, right. In this sport, you never say and you never say never. However, I mean, Paul Daly's going to need a really big push. He's going to need a lot of support in order to get back into the UFC because, I mean, what he did was blatant and disrespectful. You don't hit somebody after the bell. I mean, after that. He released a public apology, and uh, he's never done anything like that after any. Of his other matches, um, so it, but he would need a really big push because Dana is somebody that is 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 on his word. He's a man of his word. Well, and the one th- I don't know if Dana's the man of his word here. Let's say I mean, come on. There's been so many talks about. We just even mentioned Conor McGregor. He's talked about you know 
the, in terms the, of the, the, in the terms belt of needs to in be terms defended. of laying and down Connor, the law, in terms of laying down the law, at least ethically, he's he's of his word. I mean, look at I, Jason High pushing a referee after his loss to okay, Roy Rafael Nelson dos Santos. Roy Nelson kicked uh, Big John. I think he, I don't think he was disciplined. Yeah, do, that, he, that was, well. he was he uh, was fined. He was fined. Okay, but I mean, I think what was what was the? I think most people who have touched a referee have been released. So I mean, Roy Nelson was only fined. I'm just saying, like, not everything's cut in stone. Maybe Paul Daly, after eight years, can True. at least look at Ariel Hawani know. when he announced the news for Brock Lesnar's return. Yeah, he got kicked. Well, he wasn't he wasn't banned for life. He was he was kicked out of just that one event. Right. They said he was, was banned for life, and then they retracted so, it. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I, I mean, don't think it's. It, I don't think it's you know not gonna happen. But you know, again, he was in contention for the welterweight championship. Yeah, uh, Koscheck and Daly were fighting pretty much for the number one contendership. Uh, Koscheck obviously won, and then he ended up fight, uh, coaching against Saint Pierre yep. and the Ultimate Fighter, and then losing to him. Uh, you know, at, at, when they had their fight as well. So I mean, Paul Daly is a top welterweight, probably top fifteen, top. 12 maybe worldwide yeah, yeah worldwide top 10 top, top 15 so yeah. i mean it's possible sure. that he brings in uh paul daly but uh, you know with the past history of dana saying before i mean one uh, fc could bring him in one fc's welterweight champ ben Askren just retired and their welterweights are at 185 so and, and, and paul and daly paul has, daly's head trouble before yes, missing weight so so maybe you can go over to japan yeah, at risen. risen. Ooh, that'd be fun. All right, we'll see what happens with Paul Daly. I, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna come back to the UFC. But but he's not going anywhere anytime soon. No, I mean he's still got a, He's still got a lot of oh yeah. tank to fight. Uh, anyways, let's uh, go over to the fights that happened last Saturday. Bellator 192. We'll get to that one first, then we'll get to UFC 220 because we'll probably talk about UFC 220 for a little bit longer. The four fights that we want to go over: Aaron Pico defeating Shane Cruchin, yep. TKO, first round, 37 seconds in. Lightweight Michael Chandler getting back on the winning side of things, defeating Goti Yamauchi yep. uh, by decision, 30-26, 30-26, and 30-25. Welterweight Rory McDonald is now the champ after defeating Douglas Lima by a decision unanimously, 48-47, 49-45, 49-46. And heavyweight Chael Sonnen, which is weird to say, defeated Quinn yeah. Rampage Jackson by decision, 29-28, 29-28, 29 Which one was the most surprising out of those four fights to you the most surprising was probably the main event because i liked how rory mcdonald was able to gut out those shots from that Lima. was the co-mate that was the co-mate they ended up, um, they ended up dropping it down. It was supposed, did i say main event yeah, i meant co-mate well, it was the true main event because right. no because i because I, I watched the rory fight and then i switched right over to the ufc, two, <laughs> UFC 220 because it was staggered because rory and lima was happening uh during the third uh the yeah the third fight uh, of the main card, the Calvin Qatar and Shane Burgos fight uh, at UFC 220. So I was watching the title fight on Bellator, and then once that was over, I just jumped back over to 220. I'm a freak, and I had UFC on the big screen and uh, a stream for Bellator on nice. my little laptop, so I was just watching them both going back and forth. It was so much fun. But what was what was surprising about the, the, the McDonald? I mean, the beating that he took, and he was able to get up and push through the rounds. I'm surprised that his corner didn't stop the round, because any other corner would have looked at their uh, fighter's leg and go, all right, you can't walk. We need to stop this fight. But Rory mm-hmm. kept going. That's what really impressed me about the fight. That's what was surprising to me about that fight is that Rory was able to take that much punishment and win. Well, and I mean, we've seen Rory take a ton of punishment before. We saw his nose bleeding and acting up again as it was in the uh, Robbie Lawler fight. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, this is the Red King. He's usually having a crimson mask on him. Rory bleeds a lot. Um, but looking at his leg, it was nasty. It was the size of a yeah. baseball bat. It was. Um, 
pretty but severe. The one thing is now Rory McDonald can call himself a champion. Yes. Do you feel like he is the best welterweight in the world, or would you still give that title to the current UFC champion, Tyron Woodley? Right now, the argument is, is it the current Tyron Woodley, or is it the current Rory McDonald? Because both of these guys have crossed paths before, and Rory was the one that came out on top. Mm-hmm. Now, Rory and Tyron are not the same welterweights they were when they fought that time. They're now both both fighters are now, are now championship-level uh, yeah. fighters. And that was about three and a half years ago. That yes. Um, I would want, in order for that question to be answered, I'd want to see those two fight again. Because it, the winner of that would legitimately be the best welterweight in the world right now. But at least in the three and a half, in the past three and a half years, who has impressed you more? Because Tyron Woodley, at least since that loss, I don't think he hasn't lost, and now he's become champion. Uh, that was his last loss. He did have a draw with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, but then he was able to redeem that by beating him at UFC 209. So since then, you know, you look at uh, Tyron Woodley's uh, at least past. He's five zero and one, hasn't mm-hmm. lost. And you look at Rory's. Uh, at, at least past. He's won five fights, lost two to Wonderboy Thompson, the guy who Woodley has beaten. Yes. Uh, and, and then also uh, Robbie Lauder as well, a guy who Woodley knocked out yep. to become champion. So does that play anything in your mind? If you had to pick one of who is the best welterweight, who would you pick? Without them fighting right now, you got to give me an answer. Who is the best Probably in the world? Tyron because of the fact that he's defended his title legitimately and he's established that he is the UFC welterweight champion and that he's here to stay. I mean, he's fought uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson twice and he stifled Damian Maya. And to win the title, he starched uh, Robbie Lawler. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what, what more can you say other than that? He's made a statement in the UFC welterweight division that he's the champion. He's here to stay. I would agree with you, too. I mean, we've seen Rory beat guys like Damian Maya, who Tyron Woodley just recently beat. We saw that. Um, you know, they, they're fighting similar guys, and obviously they fought each other, and, and Rory ended up getting the win. But it's been the just impressive names that Tyron Woodley has gone through consistently. Going through Kelvin Gastelum, going through Robbie Lawler, and beating him the way he did. Going through Wonderboy twice and figuring out that puzzle that no one was able to f- solve uh, for at least the, the early stages of Wonderboy's career. And then going against Damian Maia, a guy who... I was a huge fan of. I thought that you know Damian Maya definitely had a choice. Damian Maya was on a huge winning streak. Yeah, he and was. And Tyler Woodley just dominated. Just halted him. that. So I, I think I think Woodley right now would still be the best welterweight in the world, even outside of the fact that they did fight each other once before. Um, now, not to take away anything again, was from Rory, because yeah. Rory has fought a who's who of welterweights himself. I mean, Paul Daly and D- uh, Douglas Lima are no joke. Oh, but and but, but the one thing I, was, I would say is like it, it'd be a hard fight to pick. But but right. at least but at least the thing with with Tyron Woodley, he's been so impressive in his past wins. Where Rory has had a couple where he's looked less lackluster, he's had a couple that he's lost. It's not about really the level of competition; it's just the way that they've been winning. Right, it's the way that, in a sport like this, it's how you look in your last fight that generates the the, the viewership that generates. You're you're as good as your last fight in a mm-hmm. sport like this. Well, Whether well, if you win or lose, if you have a dominant performance or a lackluster performance in a sport like this, that's very. Uh, very uh, spectator-esque, you're as good as your last fight. Well, and one thing I want to bring up now, because I, I was looking through Woodley's uh, at least uh, ranking and records and everything, um, it, it's, it, it feels weird that it's just been so long since Woodley has fight, fought. I mean, it's been since last year. It's felt like a long time, and Woodley was very inactive, a very active champion. Um, and I think Woodley had surgery as well. He did have shoulder surgery. He said that it was bothering him for his title fights in particular because he couldn't, he couldn't, turn on his punches the way that he'd like to. But at least 
with this, who do you think his next fight's going to be against? Because there's not really a, a for sure contender I mean, he's, coming he's up. He's practically cleared out the division. Him and Rory and Robbie had practically. I mean, uh, Ponzinibbio is an up and coming uh, welterweight, and he just came off of a win against Mike Perry. Darren Till's looking for a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you can get Mike Perry back into the win column, I mean, he can establish himself as a top ten welterweight at, at least. At least looking what at about the, uh, the welterweight career. Gunnar Nelson. Right now. Yeah, well, and Gunnar Nelson just got a fight, uh, I believe, or they're trying to set up Gunnar Nelson versus Darren Kamara Till. Kamaru Usman's another believe, monstrous believe. welterweight. But at least looking at the uh, the top ten, uh, number one contender right now, at least on UFC.com. Is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson? That fight's not going to happen as uh, they fought twice already. Two uh, two lackluster fights haven't been too exciting. Fights. The first and one also, was fun. The second one was it was it was it had it that fight had to be that way because there was so much at stake. They fought twice. Woodley, you could say Woodley won twice yes. if, if you if you're scoring at home. So I mean, it, there's no reason to do that fight again. Uh, Number two, I feel Dos Anjos has been on a tear since he's come up from oh, welterweight. That's right. I he just beat um, Robbie Lawler. Yeah, so uh, RDA definitely up there. Colby Covington at uh, three. Um, he's in contention as well. Uh, he's beaten Robbie Lawler. Uh, he's beaten Damian Maya, uh, and, and also Robbie Lawler coming off of that loss against RDA. He's probably not going to fight for the title. Uh, Damian Maya uh, just lost to Covington, so he's not going to be fighting uh, before unless you know Covington fights before and also just losing Ty Woodley. Uh, Jorge Masvidal, Jorge still, Masvidal, still around at six. You know what? Jorge Masvidal is a tough, tough welterweight, but I mean, uh, up against guys like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Damian Maya, who are specialists at what they do, he's going to have a little bit of issue. Yeah, and then the other name uh, that you didn't mention, you mentioned Darren Till, uh, obviously a young guy, up and coming. I think he needs a couple more fights under his belt. Uh, and, and Kamara Usman, same as, as him, he's sitting at 9. Uh, same as well as Sant- Sant- Santiago Ponzinibbio, who's sitting at 10. Another guy I want to mention just before uh, we stop talking about this, I think RDA is probably the guy who's going to end up yeah. facing uh, yeah. Woodley. Uh, but the guy I want to mention, I'm going to throw him out. He looked really good at welterweight to at least start at four, I think, you know, I'm sorry, three straight wins at welterweight against Patrick Cote, Rick Story, and Matt Brown. Then has lost three straight against Masvidal, Lawler in a close fight, and Darren Till. Is Donald Cowboy Cerrone? Yes. Looked good to start his welterweight career. He's got an upcoming fight against Yancey Medeiros on February 18th. I feel like obviously Cowboy's got to put a couple wins together, but Cowboy could be a, a very sneaky uh, contender if he starts getting back in his confident ways. Because we know what Cowboy could do at his best. Yeah, he's definitely a dark horse. I mean, he's got it all. He's dangerous off of his back. He's got good takedown defense, and he's got good striking. He's got nasty kicks, and he's got good straight punches. I mean, he's just got to put it all together. But usually when it comes to Cowboy, when it gets to that hump, whether if he's fighting for a title shot or if he's fighting for the right to fight Mm -hmm. for the title shot, for some strange reason, it always slips through his fingers. It always slips through his fingers. Now, in his last three fights, I mean, he's fighting the cream of the crop at welterweight. The level of competition at welterweight has just is just been established. That's all. Um, now, in terms of him dominating and going through and winning in welterweight, I believe he can do it. Mm-hmm. I believe he can do it. He's got the skills to do it. He, but against Yancy Medeiros, both of the, you see the interesting thing about that fight is that Yancy Medeiros and Cowboy Cerrone are coming up from lightweight. And they have been successful at welterweight. Mm-hmm. So now it's going to be about who's going to be who's going to be more successful at welterweight. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, other fights on that Bellator 192 uh, card. Michael Chandler uh, destroyed Gody Yamauchi. He dominated. Uh, him. Dominated him. He, uh, uh, Yamauchi had a 
hook kick that landed on Chandler, and that gave him some a little bit of pull. But I mean, Chandler's wrestling was just way too way too much for Goaty's jujitsu to handle. And a very impressive win, like you just said. Uh, Scott Coker said the winner of that fight will be fighting Brett Primus, the currently current uh, lightweight champion uh, in Bellator. Are you excited for the rematch between Primus and Chandler? I'm very excited for that rematch. I actually get to see. It'll be interesting to see what Michael Chandler's like in this rematch because it was a rematch where he started off strong, but uh, he injured himself. And Brent Primus, you see, he's a huge lightweight. He likes to start out slow, but I mean, he will. He when he noticed that Michael Chandler was hurt, he was starting to put the pressure on him. And I think the strength of Brent Primus surprised Michael Chandler just a little bit. So it's going to be a very interesting clash in styles in this fight. Two other fights. Uh, we got to talk about Aaron Pico defeated Shane Kirchin. Is he the real deal? Is he the next best thing in MMA? And his past two fights, he looked like it. Maybe one more showing like that, and he's well on his way. It's going to be very interesting, but this kid looks like an absolute freak. He's got Freddie Roach in his corner. He's an coming, animal. Coming out. Uh, he's Is he coming out of AK? Where is he coming out he of? He is coming out of AK, I yeah. believe. So, he, I mean, he's got a great... A great uh, camp behind him. Obviously, you know, guys like... Uh, uh, Khabib 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 Yeah, Khabib Nurmagomedov. <laughs> Kane Velasquez. Uh, Kane Velasquez. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Cormier. Cormier. Luke Rockhold. A um, ton of great fighters coming out of AKA. And now he's got this, you know, at least huge push coming behind him. He's looking super impressive. Two big knockouts in his last two fights. Pico looks like the real deal. Um, featherweight division in Bellator. Watch out. The new star might be coming up. Uh, and the final one, uh, undefeated. In his career, uh, he he's the best fighter of all time, best trash talker of all time. He'll tell him himself. Chael Sonnen defeats Quentin Rampage Jackson. Were you surprised by Chael getting the win? Undefeated Chael Sonnen. What Sean. That's what he says. <laughs> I'm respecting Chael Sonnen. That's I respect all I'm doing. Chael Sonnen Chael too. Sonnen but he's not undefeated. <laughs> I know he's not undefeated, um, but that's what he says. That was a very interesting fight. It was also a very difficult fight to watch, just because of the fact that those two were way out of the weight class. They're way out of their weight class. Um, Quentin Rampage Jackson actually did look really good in this outing at heavyweight because usually you see him, he has a gut, and he's a little bit rounder around the edges. In this outing, he looked like he was disciplined. He looked like he put on some muscle. But I guess the wrestling of uh, Chael Sonnen was just way too much for uh, Rampage to handle. We're talking about uh, if Rampage would actually use his strength, his slam ability in this heavyweight division because he's not depleting himself. And he did a little bit. He picked up Chael and slammed him down, but he didn't get on him with ground and pound. He didn't establish dominant position on the top. He just basically stood up, waved Chael up, and the fight continued. And that's when Chael was actually able to utilize his boxing to engage or lull uh, Rampage into uh, a striking match, and then he could just change levels and take uh, Rampage down. So, I mean, it was an interesting fight to to it was interesting in the sense that you get to see what Chael's capable of at heavyweight and he did look good but it makes you wonder how is he going to look good against other true heavyweights well yeah that's the thing i was going to bring up cuz next uh at least the way the tournament's set up the next fight that he will have is either against former UFC heavyweight champion Frank Mir or who people c- consider to be the greatest heavyweight of all time Fedor Emelianenko who's never fought in the UFC um how do you think that Chael will look against those bigger guys like Fedor and Frank Mir. Uh, on the MMA beat, they were talking about this earlier, that if he actually went up against, if Chael had actually gone up against a uh, Fedor Emelianenko, 
that uh, the trash talking would come out because usually when you uh, when so when someone's talking about fighting Fedor, when there are talks of somebody fighting Fedor, there's never any animosity, there's never any trash talking, there's never any disrespect of yep, Russia or anything like yeah. that. There's always that essence of respect because you know he was one of the heavyweights that beat all the best heavyweights that didn't make it to the, or that made it to the UFC. Fedor was the only one that didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see him fight in the states here later in his career. It's kind of hard for him to watch. I mean, his last fight he fought Matt Mitrione, uh, but with Chael, I mean, he wouldn't be respectful towards Fedor at all, and he wouldn't hold back any punches uh, against Frank Mir. Frank Mir is a huge heavyweight. Big he's guy. a two-time UFC heavyweight, and he's mm-hmm. a true heavyweight, and he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. This guy defeated Brock na- Lesnar. Yes, and he's nasty <laughs> off of his back. He's nasty off of his back, and jiu-jitsu guys uh, that give— uh, that are good off of their back, excuse me, give Chael really big problems. So it's 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 going to be interesting to see how this Grand Prix progresses. So who do you think he has a better shot against, Fedor or Frank? Probably Fedor because that wrestling, that wrest- if, if, if Chael takes down Fedor, I can't see Fedor submitting Chael off of his back. But I could see Frank Mir submitting Chael no matter where this fight takes place. It, isn't it crazy to say that, though? Because, I mean, Frank Mir, I mean, this is, I mean he, was, he wasn't dominant. He was never a dominant fighter. He was a really great fighter. He had his um, moments of but, success. No, no I'm, not say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not taking that away from Frank. Right, he, right. He was a great fighter, but he wasn't dominant. You, right. you know, Frank Mir wasn't the levels of, you know, what Stipe's currently doing. Or JDS. Uh, what, what, yeah, or what Alistair. JDS, uh, what, um, let's say, Nganu. you know, what Anderson Silva was doing. I don't know. who hasn't been dominant. Let's, I mean, come on. He, he beat up some cans. But what We're I'm trying to say. Dominant trying, heavyweights, yes. What I'm trying to say, dominant-wise, Stipe defending it three times. Kane has been dominant outside of fighting in high altitude. Um, or also, uh, you know, Anderson Silva, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. He's never been dominant. Frank Mir has always been great. But Fedor was dominant. Fedor was absolutely, again, the best heavyweight uh, of all time in most people's eyes. It's weird to say that just Chael, who's not typically uh, fighting this high, at this high of a weight, would have a ch- better chance against the greatest heavyweight of all time against Frank Mir. Just a little weird to say. A little weird to hear. I'm not weird. disagreeing with you, but it's just a little weird to hear. That's all. In Fedor's last few outings, he maybe looked subpar impressive, whereas whereas Frank Mir was on the verge of resurgence. If you remember not too long ago, Frank Mir was on the verge of resurgence. He was coming off back-to-back knockout wins, and then he gets a disappointing loss against Andre Arlovsky, gets another disappointing loss against uh, uh, Mark Hunt, and then he tests positive for uh, a banned substance or a taped supplement. I, I was about to say, I think he was getting some help. There, Frank Mir was. So, I mean, he had a resurgence, and he and he did knock out uh, Bigfoot Silva, which wasn't too crazy to to do because Bigfoot foot was made of glass later in his career, and then knocked out Todd Duffy, which was pretty impressive. Yes, uh, but like you said, who we haven't seen lately. And, uh, I heard he's coming back in January. And, I heard he's, I heard he's supposed to be coming back soon. And Bigfoot went on to uh, challenge uh, Rico Verhoeven, the Glory heavyweight kickbox uh, kickboxing champion, and that did not turn out great at all. Oh, it yeah. lasted two rounds. <laughs> it's, been, it's been bad for uh, for Bigfoot. It's since that fight, he's lost to uh, Mark Hunt, Stefan Struve, Roy Nelson, Ivan. Shirtkroff uh, at the Tidoff boxing promotion, and then also Vitaly Minkinov at Fight Night Global 68. So, also Rico Verhoeven and Glory Kickboxing. Was... Well, this is MMA career. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah, And then also, uh, like you mentioned, at 1014 uh, at Glory Kickboxing, lost to uh, Rico Verhoeven. So, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Tough. I, I, you are the expert, so I'm not doubting <laughs> you. I was, just, I was just saying the MMA career. Uh, yeah, Todd Duffy, I heard, uh, I heard he's expected to uh, 
to come back around uh, January. I, I yes. mean, we, you know, he, he's been in and out the UFC. He hasn't been healthy. Uh, but, yeah, I haven't seen anything but, recently, at least, of uh, Todd Duffy coming back. But that is weird to have Chael have a better chance at Fedor than, than Frank Mir. And Frank Mir was, like you said, he wasn't dominant. Fedor, for a time, was dominant overseas. Yeah, it's just, it's just weird to hear. It is odd. It is a little bit odd. But, I mean, I don't disagree arguably, Frank Mir has worked on his boxing. He, comes, he also comes from a karate background due to his mm-hmm. father. Uh, he's very disciplined in Muay Thai. He's dangerous in the clinch. As well as being dangerous off of his back with submissions, he's able to take you down. Uh, he's strong in the clinch himself when it comes to grappling situations and trips, not just his uh, Muay Thai clinch and striking knees and elbows. So Frank Mir, he's dangerous. He's more dangerous than Fedor at this point. All right, let's move on now to UFC 220. We're going to talk about the two title fights. Daniel Cormier defeated JV Vulcan Ozdemir. <laughs> um, I guess he is JV after round- all, Sean. Two minutes. Uh, I told you DC was going to dominate Vulcan, <laughs> didn't I? You know what? There's always a puncher's chance, and all of these fights start standing. But I mean, Cormier is an Olympic level wrestler, and outside of John Jones, he is the best light heavyweight of all time. And I'll give I'll give Vulcan Ozdemir the credit of the fact that um, early on in that fight, it that's like, Vulcan K Ozdemir to you, sir. Nah, I'm not calling him that. <laughs> I'm calling him I'm calling him JV Ozdemir. Uh, but at least with 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 uh, Vulcan. Uh, you saw early in that fight that it seemed like DC wasn't able to shoot because Vulcan was able to use his length and at least keep DC at bay, and DC wasn't able to grab a hold of the leg. Obviously, it changed very quickly as DC was able to start using his physicality, start getting inside, and starting getting punches on Vulcan and then opening him up to take him down. But at first, it looked like Vulcan had a shot there. It looked like he had the right game plan. It just ended up breaking down because DC's that great, but... Vulcan didn't look terrible. There's things to work on, but I think Vulcan has proven that at least once DC's gone and and, and maybe um, with a couple more years under his belt, at least in in the MMA in the MMA world and in the UFC, that Vulcan probably has a good shot to become you know one of the next light heavyweight champions of the world. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know what we saw it in his fights leading up to this title fight. You know, in that fight against Daniel Cormier, he sat really he sat down really hard on his punches. Uh, it's just only when he threw the kick is when DC was able to grab that kick and take him down, and that was the beginning of the end. You saw a little bit of uh, kind of adept level uh, grappling from Vulcan Ozdemir, but that's just because he comes from a kickboxing background and also Daniel Cormier is on top of you, and he's an Olympic level wrestler, and he trains with guys like Daniel Cormier. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Kane Velasquez. Daniel Cormier trains with Daniel yeah. Cormier. <laughs> Kane Velasquez, and uh, you know. It, Formerly just, Luke Rockhold, yeah. Khabib Nurmagomedov. Just powerful wrestlers, yeah. other wrestlers that will ragdoll the guys. So that's something that he is an experience to. It's it's a lot like Edson Barboza and Khabib Nurmagomedov. You won't know what that wrestling pressure is like until you're underneath it or grinding or you know implementing it and you know through the grind. Unless you're experienced or inexperienced with it, you're not going to know what it's like. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about DC real quick. He's saying that he's retiring at 40. Um, DC's birthday, a 40th birthday. Uh, will be coming on March 20th. Uh, I, I thought believe. it was 39th. 39th birthday. Well, yeah, no, you know, March 20th will be his 39th birthday. Okay. But then 20, uh, March 20th, uh, 2019, will be his 40th birthday. He yes. said he's not fighting after the age of 40, at the age of 40. He said to Ariel Hawani, he's not fighting past that date in March uh, when he turns 40 in 2019. So... We got probably a year and a half, a year, a little, a little, a little under a year and a half of yeah. DC fighting. Who would you like DC 
to take on in those you know last couple fights he's got. It'd be cool to see him rematch Alexander Gustafson because Gustafson looked great against uh, Glover Teixeira. He did look really good, but I think he's also injured. Um, maybe for Vulcan to get some wins together and maybe have him rematch uh, DC again. Mm-hmm. But again, it's that great equalizer, the great match that we all want to see. It's two matches. It's either he challenges for the heavyweight title and becomes and retires a two division champion, mm-hmm. or he rematches John Jones. And obviously, John Jones is up in the air just due to his legal right. proceedings right now. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with John Jones. He could face you know the worst possible outcome, which would be a four year suspension, or he probably you know gets a lighter suspension. He goes around two years. I think that would give the earliest date of that fight, July of 2019, if I if I know correctly. Um, it would be July 2019 where John Jones could return. So that would mean if you passed DC's 40th birthday, do you feel, or at least out of those two, the Stipe and John Jones uh, fights, which one do you think is more likely to happen? More likely to happen is probably, and I'm I'm on the I'm going out on a limb here saying this is probably the Stipe fight because DC has challenged for the Strikeforce Grand Prix Heavyweight Tournament champion. He was the Strikeforce the he final was, he's tournament champion. At yep. He's undefeated at heavyweight, so um, that would be a very interesting matchup, especially with Stipe, especially if Stipe is the heavyweight champion at that time, mm-hmm. to have four, five consecutive title defenses and be considered the greatest heavyweight at that time. Why not have the greatest light heavyweight and the greatest heavyweight just go at it? Well, and one thing is obviously the looming, uh, at least, presence of Kane Velasquez, one of DC's best friends, his teammate, Kane, obviously a great heavyweight, one of the best heavyweights of all time in the UFC history, um, has been injured and played with injuries his whole career. Um, the reason why DC said that he's not really interested in that fight is because of Kane, Kane still being there. So do you think that, like, if you had to get put a percentage on it, like 40%, 60%, how likely do you think it's, uh, how likely do you think it's going to happen that DC will take on Stipe? Right now I'll give it a 30-70 chance so maybe about maybe 30 percent okay 30 percent that's higher than i thought it's higher than i 30 percent that dc fights stipe but 70 percent chance that kane comes back ultimately Mm -hmm. ultimately i would say i think kane's gonna come back i think he's the he's the fight to make against stipe those are the odds if if kane comes back if kane doesn't come back i'd give dc a 70 percent chance that he fights stipe and maybe kane a 30 percent chance that he comes back at all I think I think the last fight DC would have would be against Stipe. Yeah. If 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 Kane doesn't come or back, or ultimately for the heavyweight title, whoever's the champion at that time, or yeah. if it's vacant. So it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with uh, with DC, but um, him 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 beating up Vulcan like that was was impressive and fun to watch. Let's move on now to the heavyweight championship fight. Stipe Miocic defeats Francis Ngannou. Man, by decision. Man, unanimously 50-44, 50-44. Uh, I picked Francis, didn't I? Yes, you did. Well. The first round really looked good. Yeah, you know what? Every it, we we said it before. I think I was, all of oh, these wait, fights real start quick, standing. I wasn't. This wasn't like me picking DC. You picked Vulcan, and I said I exactly called how that DC fight was going to go. Give me credit there. And the, the Francis fight, I was very iffy on picking Francis <laughs> and Ganu. But I told you that that inexperience, that inexperience will show. And even I didn't disagree. If, if, see, here's the, here was the thing about that fight. That was a great fight. That was a great fight for the heavyweight division to show that heavyweights can go for five. Well, five I don't rounds. know. Francis can go for five rounds. Stipe can. Stipe though. can go for five rounds, but Francis was done after one. Yeah, 
After yeah, after after he basically punched himself out, he didn't know he basically didn't know what to do anymore. Even when he was on his back in certain positions, he he looked like he didn't know what to do off of his back. He he looked like he didn't know how to hip escape. He looked like he didn't know how to put his knee in between his opponent and wrap his legs around his opponent to at least trap a leg or to get his hip or to get his legs around his opponent's uh, hips rather to establish full guard. He just looked like a turtle out there. He looked like he didn't know what to do off of his back defensively, offensively. Francis just looked like he didn't know what to do out there. Yeah, it, it was something that it just looked like you could tell that. But these Stipe guys looked had, great. Oh, Stipe looked fantastic. Stipe, Stipe looked is, awesome. Stipe is the greatest heavyweight of all time. Yes. Um. Well, at least in the UFC. It was but, interesting to see. But uh, the, the thing with Francis was, you could tell that he's he's very inexperienced. He's still very yeah. Well. He's he's a great fighter. He's, and he's, he's 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 so powerful, so fun to watch. He's gonna be a champion at some point, but. He's got a lot of work to do. Yeah, and he's still fresh in his MMA career. And I don't think he's currently with the right coaches. I don't think he's really, you know, with the right staff. I feel like you know what? If he changed, probably went to like an AKA or possibly I, th- I think maybe Florida would, would help him, or maybe you know Greg Jackson and, and Mike Wickeljohn. I, I feel like he's got to change camps, and 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 maybe there's something out in Las Vegas that's going to be better for him. But the current coaches he's with i don't know if they're if they're the right for francis if right coaches for france the coaches that he has from france i don't know the the majority of them one of them is a former k1 kickboxing champion jerome labanet and uh while they do have a good program over there for him i mean how much jiu-jitsu is he getting and how much wrestling is he getting and you know how much grappling is he getting we saw footage of him grappling and training with Vinny magalesh who's an awesome brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner and uh sambo uh practitioner himself mm-hmm. but how much of how much of that did uh Nganu take in you know how many times was he on the mat you know how many times was he rolling what was he learning so you know Stipe Stipe's experience just overthrew uh Nganu's power I mean Stipe was just there in the boxing range he set up boxing for takedowns he was mixing it up with leg kicks he was using head movement very well he was very light on his feet he looked good in that fight well I think Dominic Cruz and Joe Rogan made great points when Stipe did end up taking Francis down that Francis was just laying flat on his back yeah so I mean it wasn't like he was making concerted efforts to get enough leverage to get enough uh positioning when he was um underneath Stipe to really pop up and explode. Yeah. So Francis, he has the power, he has the strength to get up from underneath him. He had, probably had like 30 pounds on Stipe, but he just didn't have the technique. And, and, and that's something he's got he's to learn. He said, Francis, uh, on, on Instagram, that he's going to take a take a break, um, at least for a little bit, um, and go back to his family, see his family in Cameroon. Uh, so I hope Francis is able to evolve as a fighter because you could see everything there for Francis you know everything's there for him to become oh, he a shines. UFC champion. He shines with potential. He will one day be the UFC heavyweight champion. But Stipe is just the best right now. Well, Stipe is the best. That's let's, it. Let's talk about the best because I, I don't disagree with you. Stipe is 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 phenomenal. I love watching that guy fight. He's so funny. He's, and, 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 and I mean, you, you, <laughs> it's you quite look, the character, isn't him? He? And I'm, him and Embedded <laughs> is my favorite. My favorite person to watch on Embedded. Him calling his wife and hanging up never gets old. It's the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. I absolutely uh, love it. Uh, it, <laughs> it's yeah. He's he's quite the character. Uh, I love. Him. And you know but, what? That's uh, with something... Stipe, with, with, real quick, the question I want to throw out to you is: What do you think is next for Stipe? Because you know he he feels like he's disrespected by the UFC. I was a uh, great move there where he, uh, he he didn't get the belt put around by uh, Dana right away. He snatched it away from Dana, gave it to his coach, and his coach ended up wrapping the belt around him. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of a rip there between him and the UFC. I think there's still contra- uh, contract issues. Between Stipe and Dana, Stipe feeling that he's not getting paid enough um, with uh, 
uh, Fabricio making more money than him in Brazil, uh, JDS making more money than him in da- uh, Dallas, um, obvious, or I'm sorry, Alistair making more money than him in Cleveland, and uh, JDS making more money than him in Dallas. Um, what do you think is next for Stipe? Because obviously there's a rift between him and the UFC, but there's also not a lot of heavyweight contenders out no, there. No, there's not. Uh, maybe Curtis Razor Blaze, because he is one of the top 10 contenders that Stipe has not beaten. Mm-hmm. Um, however... What's next for Stipe is notoriety. I mean, have the UFC promote this guy just a little bit more. I mean, he's a blue he's a blue collar worker. He's a firefighter in Cleveland, is a home state of Cleveland and Ohio. They love him over there. They absolutely love Stipe in Ohio. He's a family man. He's a good husband. He's about to be a father. Stipe Miocic has everything going right for him right now. Why not establish yourself as 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 a as a huge star? No, establish yourself. I'm my name, Stephen Miocic. I'm here to stay. I'm the UFC heavyweight champion. What's up? Let's go. Mm-hmm. Contenders, start lining them up. You know, if I were the UFC, I'd start getting behind Stephen Miocic. So I feel like that should be next for Stipe is the UFC. Dana White negotiations to not now. Now that he's established himself as the best in the world, establish yourself. Become Stipe Miocic. Yeah, and we've seen that Stipe has defeated Fabricio Verdum, uh, who's currently. I think like third in the heavyweight rankings. Obviously defeated Francis Ngannou, who's uh, I believe second. Uh, just beat Alistair Overeem not too long ago. Um, hasn't faced Cain uh, Velasquez. He did defeat Mark Hunt. Yes, he, he did, did defeat Mark. He Hunt. did defeat Mark Hunt. Uh, that actually started his uh, his winning streak. Yes. Um, so he defeated Mark Hunt. Hunt is facing Curtis Blades on uh, February 10th. So we'll see what happens with that. You obviously threw out Blades, who's currently sitting at 10th. Uh, if Blades is able to defeat Mark Hunt, maybe he takes a huge jump up there. Uh, he's defeated JDS recently um, at UFC 211. Uh, but the big name out there that I want to talk about is Cain Velasquez. Six, sixth right now, uh, at least current uh, according to Tapology. Cain Velasquez, the former UFC heavyweight, his last fight was a knockout against Travis Brown. It was very impressive, but that was a long time ago on UFC 200 um, back on July 7th. Or July 9th, I'm sorry, uh, 2016. So, um, yeah, and the big thing with Kane is that Kane is, 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 we don't know if he's still injured, but Kane has a huge injury problem. If Kane is healthy, would you throw him to Stipe right away, or do you want him to get a tune up fight? Probably a tune up fight to see where he's at athletically at his age. Mm-hmm. And then if he wins that fight decisively, kind of like he did against Travis Brown yeah. with that jab spinning wheel kick awesome. in the KO. First round knockout. <laughs> Um, then yes, give uh, give uh, Kane the title shot against Stipe. Have you know the cardio machine go up against the monstrous firefighter and Stipe Miocic. That would be something that would be awesome to watch. If I'm the UFC, I'm throwing him in right away. Really? Because why not? Who else is he gonna fight? Who is Stipe gonna? Unless you're gonna unless you're gonna have Kane fight as soon as possible, and, and Stipe is gonna take a break for you know six months. Like have Kane fight a tuna fight as soon as possible. Yeah. Well, either you, you, have, you have to have Kane fight a tuna fight as soon as possible, or just throw him in right away. Because if Stipe defends his title one or two more times this year, and Kane who's comes, he gonna face? And Kane comes back. Well, Who's Stipe that's, gonna face? That's a good question. I mean, there's no there's no heavyweight fighter no, that I am interested in him fighting at there, all. There there's not really. a single one besides Kane Velasquez. The division he cleared out the division on his way to the title, and then within that, the division basically cleared itself out because everyone's. Everyone's clobbering up 
the ranks to try and get the Stipe. The only guy you could probably make a, an argument for is Fabricio, because Fabricio did get caught in the first round. He was rushing in, so probably made a bad decision against Stipe. But then again, he lost to Alistair. He's on a two-fight win streak. Fabricio is, but hasn't been anyone impressive. He defeated Walt Harris easily in the first round and then took uh, down Mercin Tibera. And again, none of those guys are you know top heavyweights in, in, in the UFC. It's not like he's defeating guys like you know, JDS or, you know, if he's uh, rematching Alistair or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a while since Fabricio's beaten a big name. So I, I don't even think Fabricio really deserves it. I, I think the only guy that you can make an, an argument for, put who we think are the best two heavyweights of all time in Cain Velasquez and Stipe Miocic in the octagon and have him fight. Oh. I understand that it's been, you know, a year and a half since uh, Kane has fought and defeated Travis Brown, but we've seen him come back from long layoffs and, and, and look great. And, and I feel like Kane, if he's healthy... He could still go at it and, and still probably put up a good fight against Stipe. Or we're talking about fights. Why, why not Kane versus Verdum? That that was a fight. That, That's a. That but was is a, that a tuna fight? Is that a tuna fight? Because not, Verdum was the one yeah. that dethroned Kane when Kane was the one that was known to be the undefeated heavyweight champion, and then Stipe came and rewrote all of that. So if those two were to fight, it would not be a tune-up fight, but it would be a very high-stakes fight for both fighters. That fight would be a number one contendership fight. I would like to see Cain Velasquez be the uh, be, be at least the uh, the next challenger against Stipe Miocic. And Cain tweeted back on January 15th uh, at the UFC Performance Institute a picture of him and quoted it by saying, don't call it a comeback. So we'll see if uh, Cain Velasquez is able to fight anytime soon. I would love to see that fight. But let's go now to... Uh, uh, the fight card that's happening uh, this Saturday, January 27th, out at Charlotte, North Carolina. We are talking about two fights on this card, the main event and co-main event, UFC on Fox 27. Let's go to the co-main event first, a featherweight bout between Dennis Bermudez and Andre Feely. Who you got in this fight, Danny? This is a tough fight to call, and I'm going to explain why. Andre Touchy Feely is a uh, Team Alpha Male stablemate, and he's actually one of the few Team Alpha Male stablemates, like his teammate Cody Garbrandt, that loves to strike. He's got some pretty good uh, uh, wrestling defense, and that's what he's going to need against Dennis Bermudez because Dennis Bermudez sits low, he's got heavy hips, and he's a great wrestler himself. He's got some pretty heavy hands, he's got some decent boxing, but as of late, that's been costing him. He's suffered uh, knockout losses, and he's also coming off of a unanimous decision loss to uh, Darren Elkins. So this is a must-win fight for Dennis Bermudez. In terms of Andre Touchy-Feely, I mean, this is a fight to establish himself as a true featherweight contender. Yeah, and and looking at it, you know, Feely just defeated Artem Lobov, and like you mentioned, uh, Dennis Bermudez on a two-fight losing streak, losing to Chan Sung Jung and Darren Elkins most recently. But the Elkins one was a close fight. It was a close fight. So, but Bermudez, again, he's fought, you know, bigger names. He's fought Max Holloway. He's fought Diego Brandau. He's fought Darren Elkins. He's fought Jerry Stevens, Ricardo Lamas, Clay Guida. Where you look at Andre Feely, he's defeated, you know, Hakron Diaz, and that's probably the biggest name on him. He's fought Max Holloway, but Holloway beat him up yes. uh, over three rounds. And choked him really out. The, the, probably the biggest two names that he, he has fought. So do you feel like Feely, you know, if he wins this, this would be a true coming out for 
the featherweight. This would probably be his coming out party if he could establish his range because for a featherweight, he is a lot longer than Dennis Bermuda's. Yeah, 74-inch reach compared to Bermuda's 66-inch uh, reach. Yeah, I mean, and that's something that the Bermuda's has, had, has struggled with. I mean, you saw that in his fight against Ricardo Lamas. He got caught with a jab, got knocked down, and then choked out. So if uh, Andre Feely could strategic, strategically excuse me, establish his game plan in this fight, then yes, he could be the next up-and-coming featherweight. But Again, this is a must-win in terms of in the seat of Bermudez. This is a must-win for him. Will he win? Will he win? Did you ask me to pick a, a, a winner between these two? That is what we were here for, yes. <laughs> who is, who is going to all, win that fight? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my chances with Andre Touchy-Feely. I feel like his rise is uh, giving him a lot of confidence, and I feel like his range is going to give uh, Bermudez some problems in this fight. I have no reason to pick Dennis Bermudez, so I'll pick Dennis Bermudez. Why not? <laughs> I have nothing to lose. Let's go Dennis Bermudez uh, in the co-main event. Let's now move on to the main event. We have Jacare versus Brunson, too. These guys fought... Back in Strike Force, yes. um, August eighteenth, uh, twenty twelve, on the uh, Ronda Rousey Sarah Kaufman card. Great card, actually. Uh, that was a there. very uh, great. Ronda card. Rousey defeated uh, Sarah Kaufman. Jack Array defeated uh, Derek Brunson. Tarek Safadine, uh, Ovin St. Pru, Anthony Smith, uh, Misha Tate, uh, yeah. Bobby Green, Jermaine Dramandere, yeah. all on that card. That's when uh, Strike Force was Strike Force. Yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, but Jack Array defeated. Uh, Derek Brunson back then one minute and 41 seconds into the first round by KO. Jacare has not looked great. Lost to uh, Robert Whitaker, was knocked out by Robert Whitaker in the second round when they fought. And you look at Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson on two-fight one streak defeated Dan Kelly and Lyoto Machida uh, in his most recent fight. And so you could probably say that uh, he he had a he, he had a good reason to uh to uh, say that he won against Anderson Silva as well back at UFC 208. That was yeah, a very that was, close fight. That was a very strange fight. Yeah, people weren't really happy with the decision uh, that Anderson Silva won. <clears throat> but looking at it, Jacare versus Derek Brunson, who you got? Very interesting fight to call. The first time they fought, Jacare actually knocked out Derek Brunson. And you see Derek Brunson now, and he's knocking out everybody that he comes across. Almost. But, I mean, ultimately in this fight, are they going to utilize each other? Last time they fought each other, Derek Brunson comes from a wrestling background. He's a southpaw, but we very rarely see his wrestling because his hands are so heavy. Jacare Souza is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu ace, but again, his hands are so heavy, we very rarely see it. But when he it's there, so he can utilize it whenever he wants to. In terms of where, the, where, where they stand in the middleweight division, uh, the Derek Brunson, if he wins this fight, establishes himself as a, a, a up-and-coming contender in the middleweight division. But Jacare Souza, if he wins this fight, it's another, uh, it's another win. It's it's another W in the win column for mm-hmm. him. It gets him back on the win column, excuse me, and uh, it pr- could possibly propel him to another fight that will eventually lead him to another title shot. So, and I mean, this is a very high-stakes fight in the middleweight division. Who do you got? Ultimately. I'm going to take Brunson just because he has lost to Jacare. He has. He, he has lost to Jacare, but he's, learned, he's. I'm sure he's righted his wrongs since then. And at that time, he was young in his MMA career. Now he's a little bit matured. I think he understands uh, that he can't just knock uh, depend on the knockout in the first round. Do you feel like that would be the last fight for Jacare then? As being 38 years old, two straight losses, do you feel like that would be the end of Jacare Souza? If he loses this fight, it could be the beginning of the end. If he wins this fight, it depends on how he looks because before the Robert Whitaker fight, I mean, he looked great. 
he did look great. He, he was he was on an amazing. absolute tear. Yeah. And, and then Robert Whitaker stopped that. But the whole thing, yeah, and he's 38. You don't know how where, where that chin is. But Danny, right? Uh, I, I'm going to give you a little bit of clue for uh, for who my pick is. Jacare Sosa. <laughs> he's doing the the Cayman. Well, that's why I was trying. To, that's why I was trying to. I was getting the claps in there. <laughs> MMA fans know what I'm doing. I think it's pretty clear. At the and the whole the, 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 I was trying to get a better. Uh, better flow into that. I didn't want to set it up like that. I was just going to start <laughs> clapping uh, while you're saying uh, Derek Brunson, but I'm going to go with Jacare. Jacare <laughs> was on an absolute tear like you mentioned. And I'm not buying into uh I'm not buying into the whole uh whole Derek Brunson hype. I don't I don't I don't believe it. And, I, and hey, if Derek Brunson goes out and wins, congrats to him. I don't believe it's hype because he did lose to Robert Whitaker, Yoel Romero. I mean, he's lost to guys that Yeah, but I mean Derek Brunson is still fairly young. He is fairly young, but so I mean, it's not like crazy at that for young age. He guys. has fought the cream of the crops, fought former champions, has won against former champions. I mean, yeah. this is this is his second coming out party against Jacare Souza. I mean, he could really establish himself as a true middleweight. And I know people will call us out for saying that he's young. He's thirty-four years old, only four years uh, younger than uh, Jacare, but he's young fight year wise. I mean, only eighteen and five, only twenty-three fights. He's in total. his athletic prime. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think uh, I think Jacare is still going to get this win. Uh, so that's going to be it. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, any other fights you want to shout out or uh, you want to throw out a, a, a victor uh, on the uh, UFC on Fox 27 card? I mean, I'm kind of disappointed in how the, the card looks. Oh, it sucks. But, I mean— There's the... some names, but it sucks. I'm not interested by any other fight. There's a couple fights on the prelim. I mean, Eric Koch versus Bobby King Green. I'll take uh, Bobby King Green in that one because he's very unorthodox. Mm-hmm. And it t- when it comes to striking, excuse me, can't talk today. Eric Koch is a stablemate of uh, Duke Rufus Academy and is a training partner of the Pettis Brothers. In Milwaukee. But he's had a lot of trouble at 155. So, I mean, i, I got to take Bobby King Green. There's Sean Bechtix coming back ever, after his loss against uh, Darren Elkins and uh, Godofredo Pepe who was in the uh, Ultimate Fighter Brazil under Vitor Belfort, is coming back. So yeah. some interesting fights on the undercard on Fox, but... Who's Pepe fighting? He's fighting Rashad Bektik. That's it. I'm excited for Bektik. Bektik was an up-and-coming prospect. He, he was. Just, he just recently lost, I think. Um, kind of put a uh, took the wind out of his sails. But if he's able to get uh, the one over Pepe, I think that would be uh, a huge uh, writing of the uh, the ship for uh, Mursad Bektik. Yeah. Um, and he's been fun to watch. So he it, has been be, fun to be, watch. It'll uh, be interesting to see. Uh, next Fox card uh, also looks like it's going to be bad as well. Uh, Josh Emmett versus Jeremy Stevens is your main event. Um, but also it's very interesting because ja- Jeremy Stevens just came off of a win against uh, the, the Korean Superboy Do Ho Choi. Yeah, he and looked he looked great. awesome. He looked awesome. He looked awesome. Josh Emmett knocked out uh, Ricardo Lamas, but he missed weight by a few pounds. So is he going to make weight in this next fight? I mean, hopefully he will. I'd love to see him make weight and fight an established featherweight. So we'll see. I really don't care about Josh Emmett. Be completely honest it's a team you. alpha male uh, stablemate, so we'll see. Maybe maybe another up and comer in featherweight. Yeah, UFC. Chad Mendes said he's coming back soon. Yeah, so. that that I'm pumped about. But UFC uh, Fox 28 not looking too great. I, I will I will give some credit though. Uh, my, my my girl Jessica Andrade uh, coming back. She's fighting Tisha Torres. That's gonna be a fun co That event. is gonna be a great fight. They're both short, stocky, strong. Mike Perry's on that card as well. Henan Barrow on that card, and Ovin St. Preux versus Iri Latifi gonna be on that card as well. It's gonna be a great fight. So again, there's names on that card. I don't know if it's gonna be uh, too great outside of those three fights though. That I've mentioned. Anyways, Danny, it's gonna wrap it up for this episode of the MMA Minutes. We should really just call this the MMA Hour, but uh, 
Ariel Hawani had to take that years ago. Ariel um, Hawani will be very angry, and I don't want to make Ariel Hawani angry. No, we love Ariel. We love Ariel. Ariel's a friend of the show. <laughs> friend we never met. Friend of the pod. Yep. So uh, any final thoughts, Danny, that you want to throw out there? I mean, there's some great fights tonight and tomorrow. Stay tuned for next week, and we'll are have there, more for you. Are there great fights? I think every fight's a great fight. I'm a okay. MMA freak, so every All fight's right. going to be a great fight to me. If you put that. Ken Shamrock up against Hoist Gracie again, I would still call it a great fight, just because I'm just a martial arts nerd, fanatic. Come on. You can admit that it's a terrible fight. <laughs> I mean, every time, I just let's just let's just end here. No, 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 no. Come on. Admit that Ken Shamrock versus Hoist Gracie again at their current age would be a terrible fight. It would be pretty bad. Okay. It'd be hard to watch. I appreciate your honesty. Anyways, it's going to wrap it up for the MMA Minutes. That's Danny Gutierrez. I'm Sean Anderson. We hope you have a great weekend and enjoy the fights that are happening, whether they are great or whether you're, they are not. Uh, hope you have a great one. We'll be back next week.